Welcome to the Friendship Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Binnick, and today we're gonna be talking about all things fitness, wellness, and mindset so that you can be the best version of yourself for everybody and your family and life that loves you and needs you. All right, guys, what is going on? Today we are here in the happiness section and we are going to be talking about blocking noise and distractions and trying to build a systematic blueprint that we can kind of follow to start to you know measure and track and really understand where our time and attention are going and what we can kind of learn from those things and take some actionable steps and i'm going to try to give you guys a couple of actionable steps for sort of everything uh, that can steal time and attention away from the things that provide us peace happiness serenity enjoyment and are really the foundation of true happiness and what are the things that we need to maybe start measuring and tracking uh, that are things that put us into a panic and uh, you know and make us kind of screw up our chemical you know responses to things and make us really honestly less human and more depressive and is sort of this one-way street to needing you know interventions and you know, I have a lot of different thoughts about the current state of, you know, depression and anxiety in our society. And the problem now is the same problem that's really been the problem with obesity for quite a while is people don't know where to turn when they start feeling, you know, depressive or when they start feeling anxiety or even suicidal or any of those things. And so naturally we tend to sort of this one being this one entity that is sort of the only thing we know how to go to when something starts going wrong with our mind or our body, uh, which are sort of family practice doctors. And again, when we start kind of looking at the current medical system we have, a lot of these doctors are set behind the eight ball for a million different reasons. And the the things that they are taught and how they're sort of convinced to do it is to have a chemical intervention. And so to provide a pill, provide a drug, provide an answer. And it's an easy transaction. It's an easy interaction. But the problem is sort of twofold. One is people are in pain and they're uncomfortable and they want that to stop. And if you guys have never been there before, or if you guys have never gone through this before, um, you guys can just imagine a time where you had maybe a lot of pain in your body, or you were very, very uncomfortable, and you know you just wanted you know a painkiller to get past those couple of hours, or you just wanted um, you know some anti-nausea medication. You know, I've I've had a couple weird bouts with the norovirus uh, a couple years back, and uh, was like throwing up like fifty times in a day, and got uh, extremely dehydrated, lost like fifteen pounds in 48 hours and uh, had to go and get some anti-nausea medication, some IVs. And literally at that moment, like you could have told me anything as a doctor and I would have been like, give it to me. I don't care if it fixes it. If it makes me feel better, I'll take it. And unfortunately, from a mental health perspective, that's where people sort of end up is they maybe let things go a little bit too far and then they seek medical intervention. And when doctors are putting people on antidepressants or when people are, you know, starting to look at, you know, anxiety and fixes and causes and things, and we have some sort of a chemical intervention, we have some sort of a prescription, 
A lot of times that's not also handed with a, listen, we're going to give you this drug, but we're also going to give you this pamphlet and these reading materials and some resources on how you can get off of this drug naturally and some steps that I want you to start taking so that we can start to wean off our drug because these drugs are not meant to be taken for even months on end. This is this is a very temporary fix. And you need to understand that from day one, that you're not meant to take these drugs for an extended period of time. But I know personally people who have been taking antidepressants every single day for over 15 years. 15 years. And if you can run through that scenario sort of in your head of what that does to sort of your psyche and your mentality around your mental state, imagine you were to be taking this drug for 15 years and it's an everyday thing. And then you go to get off of the drug and you say, finally, you put your fist down, you say, I'm sick of it. I want to start, I want to do this naturally. I want to start working on my lifestyle and I want to stop taking these prescription drugs. I don't want to be a slave to, you know, going to the pharmacy every week and seeing my doctor and continuing to get it refilled. Like I, I, I want to get off of this. I want to beat it. Imagine you say that and you finally have that, like that big zest of energy and you make the lifestyle changes and you go and you get off the drug, but then you have your first week where something bad happens. And you slip back into sort of that depressive state. Well, what is your brain going to go to right away? What is the first thing that it's going to say? Well, the natural response is to say, well, this is because I'm not on my pills anymore. I've just got to go get back on my pills and this won't happen. And so it's a very sick game that we can, and it's a trap that we can really fall into And if you guys are already there, obviously, you know, this is something that don't take any, you know, sort of medical advice from me, but you should be able to go to your doctor and say, listen, I want to know how I can stop taking these drugs. I want to know what steps I can start taking. They might recommend something like therapy. They might recommend some lifestyle changes, better nutrition, more sunlight, walks outside, all these things. A lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today. And, and then it's just a process of starting to wean yourself and walk yourself off of these drugs. But have that conversation with your doctor. At the very least, go to your doctor and say, I don't want to be on antidepressants for the rest of my life, or I don't want to take this anxiety medication, or I don't want to have to take X and Y and Z, you know, chemical interaction for a long time, because that stuff's not good for us. It's not natural. We should not be taking those things for an extended period of time. And so what we want to think about is we want to develop a system and a plan before that ever happens, right? The best thing is to have this as preventative, right? To never have to deal with it anyway. And so we can start taking steps. If you guys are like, you know what, Jeff, I never deal with that anyway. Like I'm good. Awesome. Let's stay good. Let's double down on good. Let's know what good is. Let's track and measure good. Let's know why we're dialed in from a happiness perspective, And then let's also be able to tap into on days or weeks where you start feeling like you're not dialed in, where things are slipping and you have your down days and your dark weeks. We all have them. Everybody does. It's natural to being a human. When those things come in, how do you kind of reverse that spiral? So let's dive in here. All right. Let's first start with understanding, tracking and measuring our time and attention. And so first we have to understand what are some things in our lives that put us into a panic, that steal time and attention away from us where things just sort of drift away. And for me, a number one in our society, and it's probably going to stay this way, is social media. 
right? The, the computer, the draw from your pocket, um, constant interaction, dopamine hits, that is a number one, right? And the nice part is, is these phone companies have given you resources and access to data and information where you can tangibly pull it up and see how much time and attention they're pulling away from you. Right next to that is going to be, and I put this in quotes, news, right? Quote, unquote, news. And these are just more like articles, like, you know, things we're reading. This could even be, you know, YouTubers or things that you're watching to get kind of current affairs and information. And my caveat to that, and I get a lot of blowback from this. Me and my uh, me, my dad actually used to sort of go back and forth on this a little bit is, you know, I, I'm yet to be convinced by somebody that we need to know like the worldly affairs, like that we need to know what's going on in the world. And there was a great article uh, that I read from one of my favorite authors a while back that talked a lot about how we are not evolved enough to be able to deal with the problems outside of like our own 20 square feet. Like the problems outside of our family and outside of our tribe and outside of like our protecting our home like we have been evolved from, you know, like fire and animals and, you know, protecting our tight tribe, friends and family. And that's how we're optimized. Like that's how mentally the people like we are the descendants of the strongest people who are able to protect their own communities really well and who are able to, you know, fight and see fear and danger and there's some really cool stuff you ever look into, like, why can we see in color and like some of the thoughts and, uh, you know, evolutionary ideas around some of those things. And so that is sort of our nature, but at no point, and we are not going to be able to evolve fast enough to be able to worry about, you know, take a, take a current affair today. Like what's going on with the women in Afghanistan? Like it, it's horrible, but for us to have to worry about that, like, that's a lot of weight on top of people. And as as terrible as it is, we start to worry about things and panic and we, we lose time and attention. We lose focus on our own state of mental clarity, our own happiness, our own place and how to make our own world a better place, how to improve our tribe. We lose sense of that when we start thinking about all of the other things in the world that are terrible and wrong. And if you guys are, you know, still under the illusion that the world has not always been throughout all of history, mostly terrible and wrong, and then little pockets of local greatness and awesomeness and love and excitement in these things, that's the way of the world. That's the story of history. You know, I, I loved history. It was my favorite subject. It was why, you know, I made it my major. My mom would tell you it was probably the only subject that I loved every day since I was growing up. Always have. And, you know, it was always something for me that, you know, it's it's interesting because it was sort of like, you know, engagement social media before engagement social media is you get these, um, you know, in it, the the greatest stories of all time that get passed down generation to generation because they're dramatic and they're, they're all these things. But because they're in the past, we don't really have to like worry about the fall of the Roman Empire. We don't have to worry about you know what happened to Jesus Christ and some of these horrible atrocities of the Holocaust and things. You can read about them and learn from them and hear the incredible stories of heroism and all of these things. But you're not worried about them because it happened, you know, a generation ago or a lifetime ago or thousands of years ago. 
But now for the first time ever, stuff is happening now. Like it happened 20 minutes ago and I can pull up, you know, Twitter or Instagram or CNN and find out about it now. And I can watch videos of, you know, these, these planes trying to leave Afghanistan now, like this is happening in real time. And that screws so much with our psyche. And I can promise you that every psychiatrist and everybody that you're going to read that does research into this shows you that it does not ever, not once, lead to you feeling better. And so unless you're just like the happiest, most optimistic, most positive person in the world, this is not valuable spending of your time. All it is going to do is leave you darker, more angry, you know, more depressed. It's not going to help you kind of see the light and help to improve your family and your local community and your school district, your kids' lives, your family's lives, the people who you, you know, you care about. And those are the things that really drive happiness. Those are the things, you know, sharing gratitude with those people every day. Those are the things that really drive that. And so then you have sort of two options is you can block it out entirely, right? Or you can start to take steps to manage the consumption of it, right? So you're not totally, you know, uninformed or misinformed, uh, but you, you manage it with these other things we're going to talk about today. So those are the first two. Those are the biggest two. I think those are probably the biggest two that are really diving into people today more than ever. You know, the next three are ones that have been around a little bit longer. And so these are toxic relationships. These are relationships that we just hang on to way too long. And for sometimes these turn into marriages. Um, you know, these are, you know, exes or friends that have been friends for a long time. And, you know, you've changed, they've changed, people change. And it's just not what it was. And we hang on because we're just so damn polite all the time. And I've seen this lots of times, uh, you know, even just in the gym is, you know, when things as a third party, like if you guys have friends or family that are in a marriage and all they do is just complain about it all the time and talk negatively about it after a long enough timeline, you're just like, listen, like you just don't sound super happy here. Like what's stopping you from, from doing this? And people come up with all sorts of excuses and things in their head. But at the end of the day, it's a lot of time and attention, a lot of BCD, you know, bad relationships, I think are the cause of BCD. They are the creation. They are step one of BCD. And if you want to kill your soul, if you want to kill who you are and can be inside, if you want to stop all of the energy in and around you that attracts people to you, just BCD more. Nobody wants to be around it. Nobody wants to spend one second with somebody who BCDs all the time. And if you guys don't know what BCD is, you should listen to Focus 3. It's a great, they're, they're great. They write great books. They do a good podcast, but it's blame, complain, defend, and it's our default for a lot of people, especially when we're talking about relationships, especially when we're gossiping about other people. So those toxic relationships, if you can remove them from your life, it's very easy to, once you remove toxic relationships to your life, to remove gossip and to remove BCD. And those are like, again, huge keys to happiness. Our next ones are probably a little weird. We talked about overbearing work schedules a little bit in our last uh, couple podcasts. So I'm not going to touch a bunch on that, but obviously an overbearing work schedule can steal a bunch of time and attention and put you into a total panic mode where you feel like you're rushing all the time. You feel like you can never catch up. 
you feel like you're trapped and you don't have options. All those things are things that human nature will lead us to being more depressed and shutting down by nature. Um, that's just a natural reaction. Like depression, if you take it back to sort of an evolutionary thing, it is the human body is amazing, right? It's it's so great at telling you exactly what you need to pay attention to, at giving you the receptors in the feedback that you need. And then what do we go and do in modern America is we go and try to take a pill to stop that feedback from coming in. It's crazy. And so what we have to do is when we start feeling that way, when we start feeling sad or down or depressed all the time, we feel this high amount of anxiety, that is your body giving you all of these response signals because it knows best for you. It's giving you the feedback that you need in that moment. It's telling you exactly what you need to do, which is whatever you're doing, whatever's giving you anxiety, whatever's working you up, whatever's worrying you, whatever's making you depressed and sad, you need to get out of it. You need to stop. You need to change. That's what that's telling you. The last thing that you should do is go and get a prescription for something and then just keep doing everything the way that you were doing and hope that that feedback and those responders stop. And so that's just so important. And this is true for like everything, right? Your knee swells up. Well, what's people's first reaction? Well, we should rice. We should, you know, rest, ice, compress, and elevate. And we should take the swelling down because swelling's bad and swelling causes pain. And my knee swelled up like a grapefruit after I squat every time, but then I rice and then I can go through and I can do stuff next day. Well, take a second and think about that. When you do a movement, your, bo- your body's reaction is to send a bunch of inflammation to this area and swell it up to stop you from moving, to create a hindrance and a pain from stopping you from moving in certain movement patterns. So is the right answer to maybe cool it on some of those movement patterns or learn how to move better so that that doesn't happen? No, no, no. Let's just stop our body's natural reaction from happening and just keep doing the thing that was causing that horrible inflammation. And so we've gotten into this, like, we it's almost a the control freak in us as humans where we feel like, well, we've got to just control it. And when you're really looking at, like, how can I be a more happy person? A lot of it all stems back to being able to tap into and listen to what your mind and body is telling you. Listen to what sort of the world is telling you, right? Is is where is the energy flows and how do I feel every day? And if I feel tired and run down every day, then I'm probably tired and run down. And the natural reaction to that is to get a little bit more sleep and to do things that promote energy, not suck energy away from me. And so as we start looking at that, the overbearing work schedules, and then my last one on this, guys, is uh, street noises, LED lighting, screens everywhere, and just this like constant bombardment with things that are sort of uh, unnatural, right? And and again, these things do have a tangible effect on our anxiety levels. And so there was a great study a long time ago about resting heart rates, and they were putting people in the city, like in New York City, and just like 
around traffic and streetlights and honking and noise and all these things. And they were attaching like heart rate monitors to them and tracking their resting heart rate. And then they were putting them out in like a national park and tracking the same thing. And as you can imagine, uh, their heart rates on average were, you know, it's pretty significant. Something like eight or 10 beats more per minute, uh, more elevated when they were in the city, when they were in those streetlights. And so you can imagine, you know, your heart's working overtime all the time, every day, day in and day out, just simply because your environment and your atmosphere and so that can all be these are all kind of things that can lead us into um, you know panic or lead us into an elevated heart rate or elevated stress levels and all these things so so that's sort of our bad right we're gonna just bundle all of those things into bad the bad bucket okay so now let's think about what's the good bucket right if we're tracking and measuring our time and attention and we have all those things that are taking up time and attention on the bad bucket well, what are we looking at on the good bucket? And we're looking at this as like, you know, the the justice, you know, we're tipping the scales and we want to tip the scales more in the good side. And so these are things that should bring you peace, happiness, serenity, um, you know, just all of the, the kind of warm and fuzzies if we were to dial it into one statement. And so the first on this, guys, is, is nature. Trees, birds chirping, a water running water ponds, you know, a lot of people put uh, those like drip water ponds in their, you know, the backyard and uh, kind of blocks out some of those city street noises. It's just a great idea. Uh, that's a real simple one that people can can go if you guys live like closer to a city or close to roads. Uh, you guys can certainly implement that one. Uh, you know, wind blowing, like even like a, a calm wind chime, natural light, sunlight. Okay, so that's sort of our first bucket here is, is spending more time in our natural human element, right? Is pulling ourselves away from that last stuff we talked about, the street noises, the LED lights, the screens, and getting us more around the things that, uh, you know, are natural to us. And so that's that's just spending more time sort of where we, where we come from, right? Before we had all of this that we have. Right along those lines is spending time with animals. And... I think generally you'll find that most people who, you know, have animals are are generally more peaceful and more happy and more loving people. And Tim Ferriss, actually, if you guys ever listen to him or still listen to him, you know, he talks a lot about how I think it's Molly is his dog's name. He talks a lot about how, like, I mean, she saved him from suicide, like she saved him from depression. And he talks in depth about why. And, you know, I'm not going to dive too deep into this, but, you know, for a lot of it is, you know, you're, you're kind of living sort of for this other being that's kind of totally helpless for not helpless, I guess you would say, but like is sort of dependent upon you for, you know, all of their happiness and, you know, their sustenance and their, their livelihood and all these things. And all they want from you is just like pure love, right? They want attention. They want love. They want all these things. And as great as kids are, a lot of times they're, you know, when they grow up, like, you know, they don't want your attention all the time. They don't want to spend as much time with you as they get older. It's, you know, their, their lives take off and they have other things, but, um, you know, Blitz still every day just wants to do nothing but, you know, spend time with me and, you know, go for walks and, you know, sit outside and cuddle and snuggle and take naps together and, you know, eat. She obviously loves to eat. <laughs> and so, um, you know, they are sort of this source of like kind of pure unadulterated joy. And obviously when they're a puppy, not always, right, they can be a little bit of a train wreck, but, um, you know, animals, whether it's cats, whether it's dogs, you know, rabbits, goats, 
uh, you know, I know a lot of there's like a whole goat community out there and you can do goat yoga if you guys have ever uh, kind of heard of it. But, you know, horses, if you guys have ever spent time around horses, um, I'm just a true animal lover. You know, this is one that really speaks to me. And I, I don't think I've ever met an animal that I didn't just want to you know, love and hang out with. And, uh, I'm a true sap for like all of those. I think it's Dodo is the, the YouTube or Instagram channel, uh, that posts all the sappy, um, you know, animal videos. And if you want to get me close to tears, do the, uh, soldier returning from, uh, from home and sees their dog for the first time and they freak out. Uh, but though, again, same thing, like if you're in that boat and let's just take that exact situation, you know, your soldier, you're deployed, you've obviously been dealing with a lot of stress, elevated cortisol levels for years and you come home and you, you get that as your first response, like the endorphins, the love, the dopamine, all the stuff that you're going to get, the positive chemical effects, the joy that that one moment is going to bring you will in that moment for just a short period of time will mute out all of those stress levels that you had and you will be rushed and filled with happiness and joy in that moment, which is why those are such powerful moments for us to watch. And like, you know it. And if, even if I'm just talking to you guys about it and you can visualize it, like you can even feel it, you can feel it through the screen. You get the emotions just from watching it happen and so we should always put ourselves in situations where we can experience more of that. And so our next one then, guys, most obvious one here is is spending time with family, um, with people who love you, with people you love, um, you know, and, and being there, being present enough to love it and being present enough to enjoy it, not letting it become a hassle or a detractor, something you don't want to do, but something that you're so present and aware and grateful for it. And you look forward to it so much that it brings you nothing but pure joy. And it's all you want to do. And some of the people that I have the most respect for are the people who talk incredibly positively about their families. They prioritize their families and their family time. And, you know, it's never, uh, you know, oh, I got to go to this, this, this. It's, you know, oh, I get to spend time with, you know, my wife today or I get to spend time with my kids. Like I'm going to my kids game tonight and they're super excited about it. And so those are those are like big things. I think a lot of that is communication, how you communicate about your family, how you communicate to your family, how you communicate about how you're going to tell other people about how you're going to spend time with them. So that's a big one. Uh, next one's kind of right along the same lines. Friends that support you, good listeners, people who you have great conversations with, people who make you laugh. Um, you know, that's, that's sort of my big one is if you have somebody who can really make you laugh on trigger. Like for me, that's always been Tom. Uh, just, I mean, I can't not talk, I can't talk to him, just not laugh. Um, so love every moment I get to even just talk to him, even if it's just on the phone. Um, but those are, those are hugely important. And that's where, again, like if we, if we're spending time, that's where we need to spend time and then touching each other so like some physical touch and that can obviously be with dogs it can be with humans um it can be with any pets animals anything like that uh, it can even just be with like grass just laying on the grass sometimes or walking barefoot in the grass or walking barefoot in the sand if you guys are on the beach uh people have a natural connection to that even when i say those two things you can envision and feel in your head what it feels like to walk on a beach or what it feels like to walk in grass with your bare feet and it has a visceral feeling to it it has something that like you can you can envision in your head right now and it's a more freeing time like if i tell people imagine yourself running in grass with bare feet 
a lot of times people think back to themselves like being a kid. If I say the same thing, like imagine yourselves running along the beach, they think back to a time when they were like younger, when they were like more free or more carefree. And that's maybe the last time that we kind of ran on the grass with bare feet. And there is a tangible connection to nature and that touching, that feeling uh, actually has really good measurable effects for uh, our psyche. And then last one, guys, is quiet. And so we talked about pulling ourselves out of some of the street noises and some of the crazy. And we put, talked about putting ourselves into nature as one thing, but also just like pure, unadulterated quiet. And especially for you guys who have like young kids or a crazy household with just all kinds of things going on, you know, four kids and five kids. We have people in the community that have four and five kids and, um, you know, and it's summer and they're around and it's crazy and noise and, you know, all that stuff. There is so much value to having a quiet place that you can just go to for 15 or 20 minutes and just, you know, no phone. We don't do it on social media. We don't fill the time. It turns into its own form of meditation and we just let everything just de-stress. And if you guys have ever done this before, like if you guys have ever gone to like a float tank in like a hustle and bustle of crazy time, it's weird. The first little bit of time is like this, like desensitizing of your ears it's like they almost ring for a second as they like denoise themselves right and so as you can imagine like if you're sitting in pure quiet and there's like the tiniest creak or crack like for me this is our our sauna and so if we're sitting in the sauna and there's like the tiniest creak or crack like it takes your attention away but if you were in, you know, the crazy of having, you know, four kids home with summer and their friends are there and they're going to, they're getting ready for the pool. And it's just like, you know, noise and loudness and like, mom, where are we going? Where's lunch? What are we going to do? And there's all that stuff. Like you couldn't recognize a creak or a crack in the house. If you know, it gave you a million dollars, It's just not a possibility. And so we naturally start to sort of take down that sensation level a little bit is really good for all of our chemical levels and systems to sort of de-stress ourselves. So those are the things that I kind of created and list. And obviously there's more on this. There's more things that add to, that steal our attention that lead to panic. There's more things that fill up our cup that are good for us, that bring us peace, happiness, and serenity. But really when we break it down, guys, our job is really simple here. We have to find ways to measure and track our time and attention and weigh the good versus the bad. And what I would tell you is if you actually did this, if you sat down, you had a spreadsheet or a calendar and you did it minute by minute, and there's actually a lot of like these uh, productivity gurus that give you like a 10 minute by 10 minute calendar and your first goal for the first week is to track every 10 minute block and see exactly where you spend your time. But the problem is that pulls us already out of our natural rhythms. Right. So you're naturally in doing that going to have a tendency to maybe not, you know, spend as much time doing the bad things. So sort of like tracking food like that. But I can guarantee you that if you did this anonymously or if a third party came and audited how you spend your time and Andy and I actually talk about doing this for people, if we followed you around, you would see exactly who the person is. You would see if somebody is in a great mental state. Or you would see if they're more depressive. You would see if somebody is, you know, f incredibly healthy in terms of like how they eat, how they sleep, how they exercise. And you would see if somebody was, you know, on their way to obesity and comorbidities and chronic disease. 
And when you view this in a relatively simple light, it's no wonder that we are so, you know, as Americans, we're all just in this constant battle and struggle of mental and physical health. And it's because we're so out of touch with these good buckets. Yeah, we maybe spend some time with our animals and we maybe spend some time with family and friends. But we are just not going out of our way to get off of the bad things and replace those with the good things. And so a lot of it, like if we take that that quiet example, if we take that desensitizing example, so you've got a crazy household, you got, you know, kids and they've got their friends over and it's summer and there's all these things going on and we're going to Zumbizi Bay and we're going to the pool and it's like lunchtime, which is just noise, craziness. And you're like, okay, I've got to take 15 minutes and go pull myself away or I'm going to drop the kids off and sit in the car. What is... And we're just going to blanket here. What is everybody's natural tendency? It's to pull their phone out and start scrolling through social media or start reading articles from the news or, you know, swipe left on the Apple and look at Apple News and whatever it is. That's just, it's like a tick. It's like our natural state now. And it's like you guys right now, like you might be listening to this. You might be driving. When's the last time you just drove in silence? Appreciate you guys listening, by the way, but (laughs) you get my point, right? Is our natural tendency is to fill times that could otherwise be quiet and desensitizing and fill them with more sensation and fill them with sensations that put us into that first bucket where all of a sudden we were just worried about getting, you know, Jeffrey and Johnny and Jimmy and Sue to Zumbizi Bay a second ago and getting them fed and making sure that my kids are safe from, you know, predators and don't drown. I'm worried about my own 20 square feet. And now I had this moment where I took all of that action and they were taken care of. They were safe. They were well fed. Thank God I did my part and I'm I'm good. And now I can just take a breath and relax. But instead, all of that craziness that you just went through, you have to worry about getting the kids ready. You have to, you know, life vests and get them in and they've got to get lunch in time before they eat and all these things and all that craziness. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I got them off. Now what? It's like, did you hear? Afghanistan is is ruined. All the women and everybody's going to get killed and we, and we botched it and our, you know, government left and all these things and it's going to, the Taliban took back over and you're like, oh my gosh. And you're like, oh, and by the way, the Delta variant's going crazy again. And, you know, the vaccine doesn't work as well as they thought it would. And so now, and, and you're just like, oh my gosh. And so you had this 15 or 20 minute span where you could have just brought everything back down to a calm level and homeostasis and you could have just relaxed and worked on your breathing a little bit and just chilled out and bring back some of that lower level of sensitivity and then had the kids come back and you could have been in a calm even state how are you guys doing how was Zumbizi Bay did you like it what do you guys want to do now Now you're at a state of mind where you are ready, where you're prepared to spend time with them in a meaningful way, where you can be present, where you can be aware, where you can be loving. Not this highly anxious, mad, 
angry, fearful, stressed out version of yourself that you probably don't even like who you are when you are that way or when you feel that way. And now you're not going to be as present. You're going to be short with your kids and you're going to be frustrated and that hurts your relationship. And, and you can see this tailspin in just a small little scenario right there. And so when we think about this, when we track it, when we view it on this relatively simply light, it, we have to start thinking about measuring and tracking some of these things. And so let's talk about measuring and tracking, right? So social media, I think, is going to be the easiest one. So is news, okay? We have actual tangible things where we can track screen time. And so you have two options, okay? And I'm going to tell you what I've done and what, what I'm very close to going a deeper down because I find myself sliding back in, right, when I look at my screen time, is I went through on Facebook and I manually unfriended every single person. And so probably some of you guys might have sent me a friend invite on Facebook. I will not answer it. I have no friends. I think it's like a funny way to say it. Uh, I actually think maybe Maria and like my brother are the only two. No, I don't. I, I think I, I think I unfriended or unfollowed at least everybody. If I have two friends left, it's probably them. But I unfollowed even those two. And so I see nothing. My feed is blank when I pull it up. It's actually just ads because I don't have a real feed. Okay. And so I left the groups that were all stressful for me, manually unfriended. It took me hours to manually go for, through thousands of people that I had accumulated and accepted friends because, you know, we saw each other at some competition, you know, seven years ago. And so that's the first step. Now you can do this on Instagram too. Just totally destroy your account because accounts take time to build up, to perfectly curate this little world for yourself that's exactly the way that you like it, where I follow just the people that I like, that I wanna see. And when you do that, like Facebook wins. So what I was gonna do, what I started to look up, and I actually stopped almost right away and did a triple take, because I was gonna look up the market cap of all of the social media companies. So you know Pinterest and Facebook and Twitter and Google, who owns YouTube and all of these companies. <clears throat> And I got stopped in my tracks because the first company I looked up was Facebook. And Facebook just hit a trillion dollar market cap. One trillion dollars. Now, you guys have never seen like some of the actual graphics of what a trillion dollars is. It, it's an absolutely unfathomable amount of money. That is what that company is worth. Why? They are selling you. There's you are their customer. You or well, not even their customer. You're you're basically the product. They sell you, and they know that the time that you spend on Instagram and the time that you spend on Facebook and perfectly curating that little world for yourself is going to cause you to slowly drip away hours and hours and hours. And the more hours that you spend, the more data they can track on you. And the more data that they can track on you, the more that they can perfectly give you just the right ad. It's just going to just be this little fish hook inside you. And then boom, they've got you. And Pinterest actually on one of their earnings calls years ago, they broke down like this whole strategy on how they were going to monetize. And basically like if you, I think at least if you listened to that and weren't like, holy shit, I got to get off Pinterest. Like I went, I came home and I like went, I didn't, you know, it was like went on this tirade to Maria about Pinterest. I was like, you have to get off of Pinterest. They are going, they just went public. They are going to start monetizing the shit out of you. And 
you're going to end up spending $750 on some, you know, furniture stand that we don't need. And it's only because you spend so much time on the app and they just sent you ad after ad after ad. So you can look this up and you can just destroy your accounts if your screen time is bad. If your screen time's out of whack, unfollow everybody and get it to where your feed is totally blank. Okay. And then from there, I would just delete your account, right? Because you don't, you don't need it. You don't need to be on it. Okay. Now, if that is an unrealistic possibility for you, our, my backup plan for you is to get a light, light phone. So actually have a phone. So this is actually a thing. It's called the light, light phone. And it basically is just the essentials of a phone. So it is a phone. It is a text message app and it's a GPS. So it's a navigation tool and that's it. And so then what you can have is you can have like get on uh, your social media as on like an online computer dashboard. There's all sorts of apps that you can download to limit your time on those things. Uh, That book Indistractable that we read over the uh, quarantine is gives you a lot of these tools on how you can limit some of these times. Uh, But this is something in that book Indistractable. If this is something that you guys are struggling with right now, I would highly recommend it. But the thing is, is you can't just rely on like, "Ah, I'm just going to be on social media less. Like, I'm just going to get on social media less. They've literally perfectly designed software to hardwire and fix your brain to manipulate you to addict you to this drug. You, you, You cannot do it unless you literally go through some sort of a series and a process to pull yourself out of it. And so my whole thing is just light the boats on fire. If you guys aren't familiar with that analogy, it's basically, you know, burn the boat. So uh, I think it's Cortez or somebody. It's I don't even think it's a true historical story. But basically, when they came to the Americas, um, you know, he said that the, the soldiers were worried about coming on. And so he literally burned the ships. So they had no option to not be all in on conquering the Americas. And so it's kind of that same thing, like burn the ships, destroy the accounts, unfriend and unfollow everybody and like delete them. And then you'll find that getting back on them and recreating the account from scratch and going through and following everybody again is just kind of a pain that you just don't really want to go through. So that's sort of my main piece of advice. And then if you guys can't do that or you do do that and then you just get back on and create another account and just start following people again, then I would go and get a light, light phone. I would actually just tangibly change it and do the you know uh, number two method of just getting a flip phone. And that's just such a great way to actually tangibly pull yourself out of all of this. So that's sort of our my, like the the main thing, and you can do this from like the news perspective as well. Um, if you guys are stuck reading a bunch of articles or watching a bunch of YouTube videos, whatever it is, um, you can delete some of those apps and some of those things from your phone as well. Um, you know, the problem now is they made it very easy to reinstall apps if you don't actually tangibly change your phone. So. Those are kind of the things that I like to think about from that end. Toxic relationships usually like this is, you know, read the book, difficult conversations, um, you know, practice them, practice the conversations, go through them during your quiet time in your head, you know, practice how that's going to go, work on some tact, run through the conversation with somebody you love and somebody you trust and a significant other and, you know, just try to have a conversation like we don't want to make anybody feel bad. We don't want to, you know, like just go nuts on somebody. Um, but there are very healthy ways that you can just pull somebody aside and don't tell them that you're ending the relationship because it's toxic. Just come out and just say something along the lines of like, Hey, I'm just being really conscious and aware of how I'm spending my time right now. And so I've got some other priorities that I'm going to really focus on. So I'm not going to 
show up to happy hour, you know, every Friday anymore. I just wanted to let you know that. And you just slowly start to kind of wean yourself off of it. Um, you know, ending relationships kind of organically is actually a lot easier than people think. Uh, so getting stuck in that is hard. Now, if it's a real relationship or a marriage, you got a little bit more work to do. I'm not going to provide any advice on that. Um, the only thing I would tell you is listen to what your body's telling you. And if it's been an extended period of time, we're going through BCD, look into therapy look into having a conversation, um, you know, find a therapist either, either individually or couples who will be honest with you and say like, and, you know, be able to tell you like, if I don't think this is salvageable. Um, cause I think that those are, those two things are important. So, uh, I think that's kind of my main like systematic hacks. And I, I can guarantee you if you guys start taking some action on some of the things here, um, you know, it can just be little stuff. You know, it's like if you guys are spending too much time, uh, you know, overbearing work schedules or too much time on social media, going out into nature and just going out to a park and taking a walk. Uh, it gets you kind of that quiet, gets you nature time, can get you time around animals. If you have a dog, take them with you. And it pulls you out of the bad and puts you into the good. And so what I like to look at is as I measure out my day, right? If I just take the scales and I say, I've got two hours of bad and six hours of good, that day is a plus. If you have more plus days than minus days on par, you'll be a happier person. And the more overweighted or outweighted it is in the positive side, the happier you're going to be. And I truly believe it is that simple. So I hope you guys can take some actionable steps. Sorry for the long one today. Uh, I get juiced up talking about this stuff, obviously. And so um, I hope this uh, creates some some tangible change for some of you guys. And if anybody front runs me on getting a light, light phone, uh, you like, I'm going to get you like lunch to talk about it. And I want to see it. So uh, don't be afraid to, to be that guy uh, or girl in our community who goes ahead and does that. Love you guys. Have a great day. Talk to you soon.